All right, so this is our final week in this series called Connection, where we're digging into the topic or the idea of inclusion. And I felt this morning like, I guess first things first, I needed to express uh, on behalf of our leadership just how big a deal this morning and this series uh, is to us. I don't know if you appreciate this, but we actually only have um, you know, 52 or so of these environments every year. Environments where we, in an undistracted way, can really dig in and pour into an idea. And so we want to make the most of these environments by focusing on the things that we understand matter the most to God. And around here at Southridge, uh, we feel like we've been entrusted with the mandate of what we call fostering a lifestyle of full devotion to Christ. That's kind of the business that we're in as a church. And the way that we understand that lifestyle of full devotion that we're fostering and inviting people into um, is that it actually has three kind of distinct dimensions, kind of a Godward dimension where we experience his presence and love and power in our lives to a greater and greater degree, uh, kind of a relational dimension where we grow together and then together can experience God better than on our own. And then a societal dimension where we grow in our responsibility for the condition of caring for the brokenness in our world. And uh, these days, every year, we try to give some significant attention to each of those three fundamental dimensions of a lifestyle of full devotion, what we call around here in our Southridge lingo, inspiration, connection, and action. So that's why this series is called Connected. This is our uh, kind of intensive deep dive into what this aspect of a life of full devotion to Christ looks like. And so when we consulted uh, the leaders of our connection department and asked them what the most significant play that we could possibly make would be, they collaborated and they unanimously told us that what they would want to see us focus on is this value of inclusion. And so I hope that you understand how important this is to us because our leadership feels like this is the single most important play that we could make in one of the single most important series in our annual church calendar. And on a morning like this, I guess it kind of begs the question then of why? Why of all of the things that we could talk about from the Bible or that are important to a life with God? Uh, why would we focus so much energy, invest so many eggs into the basket of inclusion? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to start by having us just appreciate more than we probably do, um, just how significant the impact of inclusion actually is. I know that many of us, and throughout this series, we've been able to appreciate the, the value of inclusion, and I'm sure that we've felt the effects from time to time, but I wonder how many of us have really stopped to, to process, to reflect on what makes inclusion so significant. Um, you may, uh, like many in our society, just assume that inclusion is a state of belonging. That's really how we use the word, isn't it? When something belongs to or is a part of 
something else. And in a lot of areas of our world, that's really all that inclusion means. In engineering, for example, um, an inclusion is you know, a particle or a set of particles that are a part of a different kind of substance. You know, in uh, geology, an inclusion is a kind of rock that's kind of embedded in a larger structure of rock that enables geologists to actually, you know, count and kind of date rock structures. In math, inclusion is referred to as a set of numbers, like one, two, three, that are part of a larger set of numbers, like one, two, three, four, five. And I won't get any geekier than that to use other examples, but I think you get the idea. Inclusion in many kind of aspects of our world is just stuff that belongs to other stuff. That's it. It's just a status, a, a state of belonging. When it comes to humans, though, Inclusion is so much more. And I feel like this is part of the genius of Jesus when he walked the earth. Because he figured this out and uh, tried to draw this to many other people's attention. We looked at this passage uh, a couple weeks ago when Mike taught from Luke 15. It says there, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus listening Intently, and the Pharisees and religious, religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased, this translation says. It says they growled, he takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. And you see this dynamic where Jesus is sharing a meal with certain people in his society, and the religious leaders are trying to get Jesus to appreciate that in sharing this meal, he's doing so much more. He's saying things about these people that society didn't say. He's sending them a message, a message that they are valued, a message that they belong, that they're worth something, a message that they have potential in a society that didn't really desire to send people of that nature that kind of message. And it's as if these religious leaders are trying to awaken Jesus to the reality that this meal is more than a meal. It's actually sending them a message. And Jesus responds by saying to them, I know it's sending them a message. That's kind of the point. Because Jesus understood that that's the power of human inclusion. You know, inanimate inclusion is just a state when stuff belongs to stuff. Human inclusion is a statement. It's a message and a powerful message at that. Human inclusion says, I notice you. Human inclusion says, you matter. Human inclusion says, you have value. You are worth something. I have interest in you. I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. You're worth having potential realized. And if you think about what those things feel like, what those things have felt like in your life, you know that human inclusion is one of the most powerful messages we could send. If you think about it from the opposite perspective. That's where the uh, concept of the cold shoulder came from. As scientists learned that core body temperature actually reduces in environments where people feel alienated. 
This affects you that deeply. It's like physiological. There was actually a study I heard about uh, recently uh, done at the University of Toronto where people who had experienced exclusion actually reported a perception that the room was colder in the room where they experienced exclusion. And even more than that, they shared uh, kind of with some statistical majority that pervasively they felt uh, kind of in their, in their spirit, in, inside them, they felt the innate need for something warm, like warm food or a beverage, like soup or a cup of tea or something. Kind of makes you think that maybe Starbucks is onto something linking coffee with community because they understand the power, the, the intense impact that inclusion can have. I don't know about you, but if you were here a couple weeks ago, uh, thinking about when Mike shared about the Super Bowl, I know I was certainly feeling things. You know, Mike, a couple weeks ago, was uh, getting very vulnerable with us and, and talking about how for years he and Krista would host uh, a party on Super Bowl, but this year they didn't or couldn't. And, and as a result, Mike watched the Super Bowl alone uh, on his couch, just kind of staring at his at his iPad and uh, I got to admit you know when I when I heard him talk about this uh, I just was getting overwhelmed with this feeling of like you mean to say that you've been having Super Bowl parties all this all these years and not inviting me I I I only work one wall away from you like was it that hard to like walk out the door and like in my door and, or, or did it, did your email go into my, into my junk folder maybe by accident, even though we kind of have the same email extension, that probably didn't happen. Uh, maybe, maybe Becky um, sent our regrets on our behalf maybe, or, or, or maybe I wasn't invited to, to any of those parties and, and, and maybe you meant to not invite me to any of those parties. Maybe you're, you're mad at me or, or, or I've done something. I, I mean, really, Mike, what did I do to deserve this? I, I'm, I'm feeling colder. Can someone get me some soup? I think we all feel those things when we feel included or when we feel the kind of evil stepsister of feeling excluded. And the point is that human inclusion is a powerful dynamic. It possesses tremendous power to impact people. So let's appreciate in our friendships and with our family and with our coworkers and classmates, you know, our neighbors and our teammates, the power that we possess to send messages to them, deep, profound messages because human inclusion is more than a state. It's a statement and a powerful one at that. If that wasn't enough, I want us to consider that inclusion does more than impact. Inclusion actually enables a whole bunch more impact. 
in what it kind of precipitates. Inclusion in a lot of ways is, is like that magic lamp with a genie inside who only gives you one wish. And we all know what the smart thing to do in a case like that is. You wish for, shout it out, more wishes. Very good. You wish for more wishes. Because if you do that one thing, it kind of opens the opportunity up for so much more of that one thing. And the same thing's true with inclusion. Inclusion opens the door up for relationship. And in opening the door up for relationship, it opens the door up to so much more. Again, we see this in the life of Jesus, whose ministry really, when you boil it down, um, was all about inclusion. He was about inviting people to follow him, allowing people to get to know him, um, you know, asking people to come and eat with him, share a meal with him, you know, encouraging people to, to be around him, to, to learn from him, and in the process to develop relationship with him. And we see this in one example in Luke 19 with um, a, a very uh, vertically hindered individual, kind of a runt of a guy named Zacchaeus. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but this Zacchaeus needed to climb a tree in order to be able to see Jesus in the crowds. And in verse 5 of Luke 19, it says, When Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Now, I want to call a time out here and just make a, by the way, observation, because I know that some of us, during this series on inclusion, we felt a little paralyzed or insecure about the degree to which we could include people because we don't feel like we have a real appropriate venue to do that. Either we don't have much of a house, we have roommates, we don't have much of a place to host people, or, or maybe like some of our homeless friends in our community, we don't have a place at all. And if that's you, I would encourage you to do as Jesus does. He says, today is my day to be a guest in your home. I don't know if we've ever thought about that. The strategy of including ourselves in other people's homes as a way of including. That's actually one of Jesus' ways of including. So be encouraged in that. But uh, getting back to this, Jesus includes himself and includes Zacchaeus in this relationship with him. And then a few verses later, we read this in Luke 19. Where in verse 8, it says Zacchaeus, you know, in his home with Jesus, just stood there a little stunned. And he stammered apologetically, Master, I give away half my income to the poor. And if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. And what's happening here is that now Zacchaeus is in some relationship with Jesus and with some other people. And through this relationship... Other things are starting to change beyond just the surface impact of inclusion. And that's ultimately why we've invested in this series in, as part of our connected series, promoting this value of a lifestyle of full devotion because of the way it opens the door to relationship. We say a lot around here that life change happens best in relationship. That in the up close and personal, kind of over time, consistent, you know, day by day, moment by moment kind of dynamic. The features of a relationship, the, the acceptance, the empathy, the understanding, the listening, the input, 
the advice, the wisdom, the encouragement, the challenge, the accountability, the truth, the grace, all of that stuff over time precipitates and stimulates and drives a degree of transformation and the experience of God in our lives that we would otherwise never experience apart from relationship. And when you think about it, all that transformational potential depends on inclusion to unlock it and open the door to relationship where we can experience it. And I don't know if you've thought about it that way, but I was, I was thinking about this in my own life recently, even just when it comes to my relationship with this church. Um, unlike Michael, my family was not a, a founding family in this church, but some three years into this church's existence, uh, our after-school babysitters at the time, named Peter and Mary Workington, invited our family to their church. Said, hey, do you want to come check out our church? And many of our school friends were there, and we were kind of, thought it was kind of cool, and and stayed. But aside from that invitation, on that very first Sunday that my family uh, part- uh, attended, participated, uh, experienced this church, uh, a family, as I understand, named Ron and Josie Martins invited us over for lunch after the service. You know, just kind of one small invitation after another. I don't know if they could have got away with the Jesus invitation of we're going to invite ourselves to your house. That might not have flown, but uh, they went with more of the standard invitation, invited us to their place. Fast forward now. I think about uh, Tim and Kara Lee Krause, who invited me to be part of their youth leadership of the team that they were leading years later. I think about Chris Fowler, who would invite me to just kind of hang out, grab a coffee, and just talk about a life with God, which I'm sure he's done to thousands of people, literally, and had absolutely incalculable impact as a result. You know, I, I think about all these kinds of invitation, all of these you know, little kind of examples of inclusion. I even was thinking about uh, Dave and Debbie Weintz used to invite the young adults of the church over to their house on Sunday nights. And as a young adult, I would go with other young adults and we'd just kind of go there to eat taco dip together and and they had this daughter who was six years younger than me. And I tell you, she was just, did I say that out loud? Sorry, I was, getting, I was getting ahead of myself. Sorry, I'm distracted. The point is, if I think about my experience in this church, you know, some 31 years being a part of this church, and I boil all of what God has done in my life through this church community, I could probably reduce it all down to a few simple invitations. That's how significant inclusion has been for me. Everything that God has done in me, and in that sense, anything that God has done through me in this community, if I was to reduce it down to its simplest terms at its origin, is probably the product of literally just kind of a handful of acts of inclusion. 
because of the power, not just of what inclusion does in the statement that it makes, but the power of what inclusion opens itself up to when it establishes relationship. That's why Jesus impacted people not only by inclusion in making the statement that he did, but he impacted people through inclusion by allowing them to enter into relationship with him and others where God could transform them in ways that they otherwise would never experience. And the real reason, I suppose, why we felt like we needed to attack this value of inclusion over this past month is not just because those impacts are possible, but more specifically because God as he includes us, actually includes us to share in having that impact on other people with our lives. God actually gives us that opportunity. Ben read this the very first week of this series out of 2 Corinthians 5, where he said, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We learned that, you know, from a spiritual perspective, when people engage in a relationship of faith with Jesus Christ, it's the result of God passionately reaching out and pursuing them even while they were his enemy, even while we were far from God in our decisions and choices and sin. But the scriptures teach that spiritually speaking, what happens is not only that God makes lifeless people alive by giving them his resurrected spiritual life, But he also draws people who were disconnected from relationship to him into relationship with him as part of his family. He makes spiritually dead people alive and spiritual outsiders family. And then a couple weeks ago, Mike taught us that God goes one step further. He doesn't just include us as his family. He includes us as part of his body, as functional units through whom he intends to work. And in the same way that he includes and draws others into his family and body, he intends us to use, he intends to use us in that same way. And for those of us who felt insecure or intimidated or like we don't have anything to offer, there's a sense in which it doesn't matter because it's actually the life of God in the same way that he has drawn us in and wants to include us, that wants to work through us to include others. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 4 that we, followers of Jesus, are like clay jars in which this treasure is stored because the real power comes from God and not from us. God actually invites us into the unthinkable adventure of altering people's eternities and making radical differences through, among other things, the power of inclusion that ultimately comes from him. And as we experience it from him, we can share it with others liberally. We have that power as followers of Jesus because of the way that God has included us and given us that spirit of inclusion to include others. But I got to say at the same time, like it says in many Spider-Man movies, with great power comes great responsibility. And God doesn't just entrust us with his spirit and draw us in and include us in his difference-making, eternity-altering plan for nothing. 
He does it for a reason, for a purpose, with an expectation that we will engage with others in the same way that God has engaged us. Which kind of brings us full circle in this series to where we first began. Where summarized in 1 John 4, in verse 19, it says, We love, we love, we include, we invest, we pursue, we draw in. Because he first loved us. Because he first pursued us. Because he first reached out to us. Because he first included us. And it causes us to stop and remember again that there is a God of the universe who deeply, deeply loves us and didn't sit idly by while we rejected him in our sin, but passionately pursued us in a whatever it takes kind of a way so that we could be as forgiven, dearly loved kids in relationship with him again but wants that to precipitate in others and wants to use us to do it. And there is a responsibility for followers of Jesus to propagate that same love that we have received from God to the world around us. And here, gang, is the ultimate point of this whole series. If you are taking notes ever, this is, this is the time. We believe, biblically speaking, that inclusion is not a skill. I inclusion is not a personality trait that some have and some don't. Some are good at, some aren't. Inclusion, biblically, spiritually speaking, is an attribute of the character of God that is to be increasingly experienced, developed, and exuded in followers of his as they become his ambassadors to a greater degree. That's what inclusion is. It's a characteristic of God that is to become characteristic of his people as we grow into his image through his transforming work. And I guess the sub point more specific to our context here at Southridge is that a culture of inclusion, a whole spirit, a whole dynamic, a whole groundswell of inclusion, a culture of inclusion is not the product of a strategic program and it's not the product of a few core or paid people to reach out and foster. A culture of inclusion only happens when every follower of Jesus sees this as our personal and collective responsibility. And a culture of inclusion only really manifests itself where every follower of Jesus cares more about becoming an includer than they do about being included. That's what it takes for us to experience the wonder of inclusion. That's why this series matters so much to us. Because it matters to God and it's fundamental to the work that he wants to do in our lives. If only we will value becoming includers more than we value being included. Even by just 1%. My brother Ben calls it the 51% approach to inclusion. 
And we believe that if we could all, across all of our locations, adopt just that posture, make just that commitment, that we could see radical change in the culture of our community and the culture of our broader society. We really do. You know, starting within our church community, we feel like, you know, that anxiety and awkwardness that some of us feel on Sunday mornings, figuring out where to find a seat in the auditorium, that that could be eradicated. And the loneliness, the aloneness that many of us struggle with in auditorium lobbies or hallways or cafes at our locations on Sundays, feel like that could be completely eradicated. You know, we dream of a day where no one would be left out of the life change that happens in relationships, particularly through our ministry called life groups that have hundreds and hundreds of us gathering and committing to one another during the week. And probably more than anything, we hope that nobody in our community and in our broader society would miss out on the incredible opportunity to experience radical transformation through unlikely friendships in our anchor causes. You know, we want to see so much of what God wants to do through seeing so much inclusion. But it's going to take every one of us to become those 51% kind of people who actually care about and commit to becoming an includer more than we care about being included. That's the heart of God, and that's what a culture of inclusion is going to take. As we wrap this series up, I just want to give you a, a little picture of what this looks like um, in one of our locations, actually in our Glenridge location. Um, this family has become over the last number of years, probably one of the poster children of what it means to live this value out. They're kind of the poster children of inclusion in uh, at least our Glenridge location. So uh, before I come back and wrap this series up, let's just uh, take a moment and enjoy a little bit of the story of Craig and Carol Taylor. Check this out. Y you know what I love about <laughs> the story of people like Craig and Carol. It's not just that they live like 51% people. And it's not just that they actually have a mindset, especially in our Sunday morning environments of the way they described it, companies coming. You know, companies coming. Imagine that. Imagine we could live like that and, you know, see ourselves more as hosts than guests. You know, just a, an incredible perspective. That's not what I love most, though. What I love most about stories like Craig and Carol is that they didn't start that way. They didn't found this church. They weren't related to anybody. They didn't have some magical kind of inside track. They confessed that they were come late and leave early people. But over time, as they experienced and began to understand the passionate pursuing heart of God. He began to change their hearts and they allowed him to make them into radical includer type people. And I feel like if we could all get that, we could be a radically different church community. Today, we've got an opportunity. Actually, we've got a bunch of opportunities to try this out, real time, kind of here and now, sort of practice what we're preaching about today. 
across all of our locations. We've got potluck lunches. We hope that you'll stick around. And then tonight we're gathering again, uh, members of our church at six o'clock for our annual general meeting, and then inviting everyone else to come from across all of our locations to our Glenridge location at 7 p.m. for our vision night. And I promise you that these are not only incredible experiences of the activity of God. These are opportunities to get better connected. These are opportunities, integral opportunities to be in the loop, to be better connected and to have a greater sense of belonging as part of our church family. But more than that, these opportunities that we have today, I hope for every one of us, can be playgrounds for us to try some of this, for us to try to flex these muscles and for us to live out not just an appreciation of the significance of inclusion, but for us to live out what we understand to be the fundamental attribute of the heart of God who reached out and included us and desperately wants to involve us as his ambassadors to reach out and be includers of others. So let's care more about including others than being included ourselves. And as God changes our hearts from the inside out, let's give him the credit for the incredible transformational work that he's going to do. Let's pray. God in heaven, I'm so excited, not just for what you're going to do today, but what you're going to do in the weeks and months and even years to come. We so appreciate and worship you for who you are, for your loving, passionately pursuing heart of inclusion that allows fallen, broken, sin-soiled people like me and like us to be part of your family and to be involved as your agents in the world. Help us, God, to grow in that faithfulness, to grow in that character, to grow in your likeness by your transforming power. And to not just see the power of inclusion, but to see your spiritual power and what you want to do through us if we'll take those steps of obedience and responsibility to become more like you. Thanks in advance for what you're going to do in our hearts. Thanks in advance for what you're going to do in our character. And most of all, thanks in advance for what you're going to do in our church, in our culture, and in our broader society as we become increasingly known as a people who are passionate to include other people so that we can better and better represent you, a loving God who is passionate to include people like us. We love you and thank you for what you've done in this series and the fact that you're going to do so much more. We look forward to watching you work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.